Welcome to the Finding God in the Body podcast. I'm Ben Riggs. Before we get into this episode, I'd like to just take a moment and encourage all my listeners to subscribe to the podcast. It's available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. I'd also like to encourage everyone to share episodes they enjoy with their friends and family on Facebook and Twitter, or to send them an email with the link in it. Sharing helps a lot. And if you're looking for additional ways to support the podcast, well, then I encourage you to go over to Amazon.com and order the book, Finding God in the Body, A Spiritual Path for the Modern West. But whatever form your support takes, I just want you to know that it's much appreciated. And with all that said, we can now turn our attention towards this episode. And in this episode, I'd like to explore the role that myth plays in our spirituality. In the early 1930s, Tolkien began working on The Hobbit. Now, had he taken up the task of penning an academic or philosophical essay that extolled the virtues of courage and self-sacrifice, I doubt we would remember him, or at least most of us wouldn't. The overwhelming majority of people prefer storytellers to philosophers. Storytellers occupy a special place in our society because they perform a sacred function. The storyteller's elevated status in society is owed to their unique ability to bypass that superficial state of consciousness that most of us walk around in all the time and arouse those energetic principles that animate our lives. Storytellers are myth makers. They're the ones who invite us on the adventure that is our true life. Myth is a constant force in human history. Wherever mankind is to be found, so too is myth. And if you find myth, you're going to find storytellers. Myth is a record of humanity's exploration of the human soul. It contains snapshots of those remarkable moments from the inner story of mankind. And perhaps no one was more aware of this than Carl Jung, when he wrote, The coming of consciousness was probably the most tremendous experience of primeval times. For with it, a world came into being whose existence no one had suspected before. And God said, Let there be light, is the projection of that immemorial experience of the separation of consciousness from the unconscious. Whereas history and science tell us the story of the cosmos and our species, mythology tells the remarkable story of humanity's inner journey. When mythology is mistaken for the former, though, it just devolves into fundamentalism. The central mythos of the West is compiled in a collection of books known simply as the Bible. The Bible is an anthology. It's a compilation of myths. It's not a monolithic record of infallible truth claims, as it's too often thought to be. A literal reading of the Bible will bring you to the unintelligible conclusion that an all-knowing, all-powerful Creator God fashioned a world with which He was so displeased that He had to offer up His own Son as a blood sacrifice in order to pacify His own wrath. This is complete nonsense. And furthermore, it has nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, to do with the reality of our day-to-day lives. The Bible did not fall from the sky in its completed form. The books that comprised the Bible were penned over the course of approximately 900 to 1,000 years. The Bible was written by many different authors, and each of them had their own worldview, their own interests and agendas. As a result, the Bible narrative unfolds on several different levels. In it, we see the curiosity of pre-scientific man musing over the origins of life and the cosmos. We see the ruling class advancing their political agenda. And in turn, we see the voice of the oppressed and the marginalized pushing back, pressing the issue of social justice. And as the biblical narrative advances, it becomes increasingly concerned with human spirituality. The Bible records an evolving worldview which is simply incompatible with the idea that it was dictated to a series of stenographers by an all-knowing God. 
with every act of divine retribution, with every flood, exile, every time a new prophet emerges on the scene, and with every utterance of the words, you have heard it said, but I say unto you. The Bible ushers in a new vision, what it calls a new covenant. The Bible is not the infallible will and testament of a divine monarch. It is a record of humanity's wrestling with God, as well as an invitation for each successive generation to continue wrestling with the indwelling presence of the divine. Myth is mankind's ongoing dialogue with the divine. But the record is not closed. It's our job to continue that dialogue. We have to enter the myth. Mythology invites us on a journey. The Hobbit is not a story about an adventure. When Tolkien wrote The Hobbit, he extended an invitation to us to embark on our own adventure. I'm looking for someone to share in an adventure, Gandalf says to Bilbo Baggins. Likewise, the Bible does not tell us about God. It invites us to wrestle with God. It invites us onto a path of spiritual practice that leads to union with God, that reunites the mind and the body. To understand myth, you have to involve yourself in the motif. Myth is a practice that you must immerse yourself in. It's a path that you have to walk. When you realize that the path of the central figure, what Joseph Campbell referred to as the hero, when you realize that the hero's path is presented to you as your way, your truth, and your life, because their journey is a metaphor for your journey, then the story dissolves into the mediacy of your own adventure. And at that point, the big question, says Joseph Campbell, is whether you are going to be able to say a hearty yes to your adventure. Spiritual practice is what enables us to say yes. Perhaps the most sophisticated applications of mythology are found in Buddhism and Christian mysticism. In Vajrayana Buddhism, there are meditation practices that enable the individual to enter into the mythos for themselves, to experience it directly. Practitioners of Buddhist Tantra visualize themselves as the deity, the yidam, which enables them to awaken to the principles associated with that deity, as well as subtler states of awareness, all of which, in reality, constitute the structure of their own being. Through repetition, and repetition is a huge part of spiritual practice, in fact, in Tibetan, the word gom, which is used for meditation, or at least one aspect of meditation, it means to familiarize. And it's through repetition that the practitioner incorporates the attributes associated with the deity into their lived experience. And that is what it means to be transformed, or in Christian language, that's what it means to be saved. Similarly, Christian mystics practice what is called the imitation of Christ. They use the power of imagination to identify with the Christ image, which, through repeated practice gives birth to God. It actually brings God into the world and thereby fulfills the central aim of Christianity. Exercises like the Yidam practices or the imitation of Christ are perhaps the most profound systems of spiritual practice ever developed by humanity. They allow the indwelling presence of God to become incarnate. They give birth to our Buddha nature. Their profundity is owed, by and large, the union of myth and practice, as well as the fact that you can utilize these systems without having to buy into the mythology on a literal level, which is really problematic in the modern world. While these practices might be the most profound expressions of myth, they are certainly not the most common. These types of practices tend to be reserved for the most dedicated of students. They're more esoteric practices. As I said at the outset, storytelling is humanity's preferred vehicle of spiritual transmission. The values that define the human experience and the principles that encourage us to pursue a more perfect relationship, both with each other and with the planet, are passed on from one generation to the next by our storytellers. 
Practitioners of this art include everyone from Homer to Tolstoy, Tolkien, Rowling, Lucas, and Joseph Campbell. But storytelling also has its place in traditional religion. Among the world's religions, Judaism is unique in that storytelling is its modus operandi. For many rabbis, like the Baal Shem Tov, storytelling is the preferred method for unveiling the divine. Just simply reading Rebbe Nachman's The Seven Beggars is a spiritual exercise. As you immerse yourself in the story, the principles of the Torah begin to unfold from within you, which is the function of myth. The author of the myth is indwelling. So when we study myth, we're not studying books. We're using books to study ourselves. Another good example of spiritual storytelling can be found in groups like Alcoholics Anonymous. In fact, there's a remarkable parallel between 12-step groups and Jewish storytelling, as Ernest Kurtz demonstrated in his book, The Spirituality of Imperfection. 12-step groups owe much of their success to the melding of storytelling in their meetings, the personal nature of their meetings, and the way that they mythologize their own stories. With the actionable path structure, that's outlined by the 12 steps themselves. And it's that personal nature, the mythologizing of their own stories, that enables them to identify with one another. And that is what extends the invitation onto the path or to start practicing the 12 steps. When skillfully pursued, the study and practice of myth is a spiritual practice because it has the capacity to elicit the experience of transcendence. It has the ability to move us beyond the limited, self-centered world between our ears and connect us with a greater reality, to reconnect us with the unconscious wisdom of the body. I'll conclude this episode with an excerpt from my book, Finding God in the Body, that touches on the importance and the ubiquity of myth. The symbols that populate the world's great religions are born out of the body. Mankind cannot part ways with myth. He can distance himself from organized religion but not spirituality and myth. Joseph Campbell writes, Throughout the inhabited world, in all times and under every circumstance, myths have flourished, and they have been the living inspiration of whatever else may have appeared out of the activities of of the human body and mind. Mythology is rooted in our biology. It is a part of our makeup, to the extent that it gives voice to our makeup. Mythology satisfies the desires of our heart without sacrificing the integrity of our intellect. In this sense, mythology occupies the space between fundamentalism and atheism, since spirituality is ultimately concerned with embracing and embodying the human condition, and myth is rooted in our very nature. Myth is an integral part of the spiritual path. There is always a dimension of inner space beyond definition and explanation. This is the domain of myth. Mythological symbols mediate the relationship between the unconscious wisdom of the body and the intellect. Myth connects the formless realm of truth and inspiration with our rational mind. Our sacred myths are rooted in the transcendent realm of human experience, those aspects of our humanity that escape plain speech.